Hi, welcome to the Story of Self podcast. This is the podcast for women who want to come home to themselves and do what they came to this planet to do. I am Mariah Wickham, a certified life coach and guide and cheerleader on your journey. Hey, 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 welcome to episode 25. Thanks for joining me today. I told you a couple episodes back that I was going to talk more about the Enneagram. And today we're going to talk all about it. Um, I'm super excited because this is a big passion of mine and it's a critical tool I use for all of my clients. And we use it in tandem with thought work and mindset coaching to get you where you want to be, to strengthen your marriage, to achieve a goal, to go after something you've always wanted to do, um, just to build more confidence. There's just so many things um, that my clients come to me for. And this really, really helps because it brings so much awareness to why you do things. So uh, first, a little background. Since I can remember, I have loved personality tests. Like I just seriously eat them up <laughs> ever since I was a young person. Um, and apparently I've just always loved discovering more about myself. I remember me and my girlfriends gathering around and like flipping through Teen Beat magazine <laughs> and we would ask each other the questions. <laughs> Like I specifically have this, this vision in my head right now, this memory of laying on my friend's trampoline and, and going through that magazine. Um, and I, I just thought it was so cool. So over the years and since then, I've come across a whole range of different tests and they run the gamut of seriousness level. And, you know, I, I give certain ones a lot more clout than others, of course, there was a personality t test I took one time called what kind of dessert are you? Um, and by the way, I am strawberry shortcake. <laughs> and I super loved that test because it said often overlooked, but loved by all. And I thought I have never been so seen in my life. <laughs> that was just so, so on point. Um, so that was a little less serious than like, say the strengths finder test that is used a lot in the corporate world. And that helped me narrow in on things that I'm really good at. And these kinds of things are really overlooked by most people because they come so naturally to you and you've just always done them that taking that kind of test is super good to help you see where your natural strengths lie. And then of course there is the color code, the love languages test, the Myers-Briggs, the DISC personality, the Colby learning style. Um, and then also let's not forget how fun it was to discover that all four of the Harry Potter houses are represented in my family. Just so you know, I'm a reluctant Hufflepuff, but my son often assures me that this is the exact and perfect house for me. <laughs> for some reason, I really wanted to be Gryffindor, but I will stick with my Hufflepuff and be proud of it. Uh, so I, 
as you can see, I have been around the block with a whole host of these types of tests. And the one that has taught me more about myself and has helped me more in my journey of growth and awareness is the Enneagram. And one of the main reasons is because so many of the other tests focus on what you do and then categorize you accordingly. Whereas the Enneagram focuses on why you do it. And this creates uh, awareness in so many uh, ways that allows you to grow and, and it gives you a map. It really points out exactly what you need to do to overcome things. So let's dive in with some basics of the Enneagram. Um, and then uh, I'll point out some key terms that I will use a lot as I talk about the Enneagram more. Um, but before I do that, I want to tell you, if you don't know your Enneagram number, I want to point you to go and take a test. There is an online resource that's free. It's truity.com. So T-R-U-I-T-Y.com. And they provide a free online Enneagram test. There are other places I could send you to if you want to spend a little bit of money or more money and get a more thorough and generally a more accurate test. But that's a really good start, the Truity. Uh, it is not always accurate. I have heard from other Enneagram specialists that some of those online tests are only about 55 to 60% accurate. So don't just take what the test tells you and run with it. Uh, you are the one that ultimately needs to decide what your number is. And you, by reading and taking different tests and talking to people and discovering what the Enneagram really is, you will find that one that just really speaks to you. And you will go, oh my goodness, this is totally me. So do pay attention to what the test is showing you, but also it could be inaccurate. So keep reading, keep discovering. For some people, their number is really obvious. For other people, you need to dig in a little bit more because again, it's about why you do things, not what you do. So you can have two people that maybe are very good at serving other people. They show up and they help and they do things for other people, but they're doing it for very different reasons. And so they will show up as different numbers on the Enneagram. Whereas some of these other tests that I listed, they just take what you do and categorize you. Okay. So that's, that's something to think about. And these tests we take online aren't very good at assessing your motivation. They're just based on, you know, the questions and how they have to word it for an online test. They really can only assess what you're doing. Right. So anyway, just an aside, keep that in Keep that in mind. So super uh, fun things to learn and realize about yourself. There will come a time where you'll hate being your number. There are often times that I hate being a four. Okay. By the way, I'm a four wing three. Um, and there are times I hate being a four. I'm like, dang it. Why can't I be a one? Why can't, <laughs> why can't I just stop feeling and do these other things? But that's the beauty of the Enneagram also is that I've never discovered something that helped me create so much compassion for myself and for others. 
learning about all of your ins and outs and why you do things and and learning what causes you to withdraw or what what causes you to shut down uh, which you know and learning why you show up the way you do has really helped me understand other people better in fact the enneagram was a huge insight and pivoting point in my parenting because i discovered that my older son is an eight. And if you know anything about an eight, or once you know more things about an eight, you'll know why that was so uh, challenging for me, especially as a four. And then my husband is a nine. So that dynamic was, shall we say, (laughs) a little bit troubling before I really knew what it all meant and how to approach it and how to figure it all out. So it has given me much, much, much more compassion for myself and for others. It's given me a lot more insight and understanding on how to parent, how to approach my child. And of course, in coaching, it is so, so brilliant to already know this information when my client comes to me. It's like we can skip months and months of work together, we can like fast forward because I'm not spending a lot of time discovering these things through asking a lot of questions and, you know, having a lot of coaching before we get here. So I love it. I feel like it gives me this, um, like step ahead, this jump ahead than, than other coaches because I use it so much as a tool in my coaching. So, uh, let's talk about what your number reveals. Oh, first, let me describe if you've never seen the diagram of the Enneagram, it's sort of like a clock. Um, It's in all the numbers are surrounding a circle nine is at the top. And then as you go clockwise, you see one, two, three, you know, and then so forth, they go all the way around. And the reason why they're in there, that diagram um, is because we start building different triads and we and different numbers are hooked to other numbers for different reasons. So like I am a four, like I said, and in stress, I might look like another number. Um, And in growth, I might um, attach to the healthy side of another number as well. So they're, they're all lined up in the way they are very deliberately. So each number is going to reveal to you your core or primary motivation. Okay. And your primary motivation is this basic desire that you have in life and this like ultimate feeling or ideal that you're chasing. And it's the reason why you take action and make decisions. So this is really cool to reveal because then you can understand why you get frustrated in life. Because of course, even knowing this, you don't achieve it a hundred percent of the time. And so you can really understand where your stress and your overwhelm and even anxiety and depression might come from because you have this thing that you desire more than anything, this primary motivation, and you might be missing the mark over and over and over. Um, And so here it is good to remind you that you might discover what your number is and then go, no, that's not, no, I'm not motivated by that. That's not really my primary motivation. But if it really is your core number, if core number, if it really is the number that you are, it might just mean that you need a little bit more self-work and discovery to get that clarity that all of your efforts have been pointing that 
pointing to that in your life. So again, like I said, we, we don't achieve our motivations a hundred percent of the time. Um, and so it does leave us sometimes like we've fallen short or we're a failure or those types of things. Um, but we can see how it leads us to problems when we aren't, we aren't getting that motivation. All right. So also your number will reveal your core fear. And this is what we avoid in life. This is what we have defense mechanisms for or coping mechanisms because we have this fear and, and, and so we want to avoid anything possible to avoid that, that thing that, that scares us. And you might not even recognize it. You might not even believe <laughs> that it is. But once you do some self-work, once you start exploring this more, it becomes very obvious. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I can see, <laughs> I can see why, why this is so helpful for me. I often think when I discover something else about myself through the Enneagram, I'm like, oh my gosh. My whole life makes sense because when you discover it, you you look back and you're like, oh, that's why I did that thing. Like, you know, in junior high, that's why, that's why I was acting that way in high school. Or that's why I did the things I did when I was dating. It, it really makes sense when, when you find this out. Okay. So also another thing I want to talk to you about is something they call the center of intelligence. And this represents three different ways a person processes information. Now that's kind of vague or abstract because when I say that to my clients, they're like, I don't know how I process <laughs> information, but I'll explain it in a little bit different way. And I think it will help you understand it better. So there are three of the numbers are gut centered. Three of the numbers are heart centered and three of the numbers are head centered. And what that means for eight, nines and ones who are the gut center is that they do before they think or feel, okay, because they are in this instinctual triad. They overplay the importance of their own instincts and bodily sensations. And they tend to think that what they, what they feel and think is based on what they do. Okay. So if they're feeling off, they're like, oh, I must not have eaten right, or I must not have, you know, done this. Like they automatically assume it's something they did that makes them feel a certain way. Now, the feeling triad are the twos, threes, and fours. This is where I land. And these numbers or types overplay the importance of their own feelings. Okay. So they think and and well, what they what they think and what they do they think is based on how they feel. So their feelings are prominent. Their, their feelings um, play a big role and they can get stuck in those feelings sometimes. They can be dramatic, right? You've heard me say that before on this podcast, I think. <laughs> so that's a fun, a fun place to be. And then we have our thinking or head-centered people. And these are our five, sixes, and sevens. They have a hard time getting out of their own head because they overplay the importance of their own thoughts and they can think to themselves that what they do and what they feel is based on what they think. And so they just think, I just need to think about this more, or I just need to, you know, 
solve it in my own head first, or these, these numbers are interesting when I coach, because if I say, you know, well, what's the feeling you have, they might answer with something like, well, I think, and then I have to point out, no, that's a thought. What, what's that, what's your, what's your feeling there? So that is your center of intelligence as the Enneagram talks about it. Okay. And often when I'm trying to help someone type their number, this is where I start. I try to help them understand where, what center they land in, and then we can narrow it down from there because then we're only going, then we only have three to consider instead of all nine. And this is, I feel like one of the easier ways to find out where, where people land based on certain questions I ask and different scenarios I give them. It helps them see if they're in the gut, heart, or head center. So you can kind of do some thinking yourself on what you, what you might be like where, where you overplay or where you tend to hang out the most with your feelings, with your actions or with your thinking. And the whole point here is to have more balance. So it's not, none of them are bad. None of them are good or right or better than the others. It's just the awareness that helps you so much because if you're heavily, heavily uh, focused on your feelings, like I am sometimes, it's going to be really good to get some help to balance those and understand that my thinking and my doing are important in life as well. And learning also to process my feelings, learning how to work through my feelings and work with my feelings has been a huge part of my growth and a huge part of doing what I do and helping and showing up and, you know, offering what I offer. Those have all needed to play a part. So that's the whole point. I don't want to get the wrong, get give you the wrong impression that the point here is to change. The point isn't to change. The point is to give you awareness and then you can work with what's going on instead of trying to resist it or trying to, or being embarrassed about it or anything like that. Let's talk um, now about what they call a, a social stance. Okay. A social stance determines whether you are more likely to withdraw, comply, or assert yourself in order to achieve your primary motivation. Okay. We talked about earlier, um, primary motivations. Now let me just run through this list really quick of what the primary motivations are per, per type, and then it will help you understand a little bit more what I mean by this social stance or this, this, uh, defense mechanism you have when you're not getting what you desire. Okay. So ones they desire over anything to be good and have integrity and be balanced. Twos desire to be loved and needed. Threes want to feel valuable and worthwhile. Fours want to discover their significance and they want to be unique. Fives want to be capable and competent. Six want security and support. Sevens want to feel satisfied and comfortable. Eights want to protect themselves and and their really close loved ones. And nines want to have peace over anything and stability. Okay, 
So as you can see, every number is a little bit different and they desire this over, over anything. So when, in order to get this thing, they're going to have certain behaviors. You're either going to withdraw, comply, or assert yourself. So um, numbers four, nine, four, and five rep repress in order to achieve what they want. Okay. In other words, this is withdrawn type. I'm a withdrawn type. So in order to um, get what I want to discover my significance or become unique and put something unique in the world, I tend to withdraw. I tend to go inward. I tend to uh, process everything internally. I tend to kind of just like go into this personal abyss, if you will. <laughs> um, and and that's also what the nines and fives do it uh, or do because they're also in this withdrawn type. Okay. The ones, twos, and sixes are in this compliant type. So they are going to look like they're going to be cooperative and they're going to go along with the flow and they're going to look to other people to follow their lead in order to achieve their primary motivation. And then the threes, sevens, and eights are going to be the assertive type. And so they are going to more, um, they're going to set themselves apart. They're going to push an agenda. They're going to stand up for themselves um, in order to, to get what they want. Now, already we've touched on some pretty big <laughs> pieces of, of the Enneagram. And you might want to listen to this episode a second time once you go and take the test and find out what your number is and, and then really listen to the, like what those pro primary motivations are and decide where you stand and then listen to what I just shared about your social stance and how you go about getting what you desire. And then uh, when I jump in again, um, maybe it will be next week, maybe it will be two weeks from now. But when I jump in again with another episode of the, Enne of the Enneagram, we will talk about your fears. We will talk about what to do with that social stance, like how, how to grow, even if, you know, knowing that you're the withdrawn type or you're the assertive type or, or whatever type you are. So it's really good to know these things, but it's also, it's also good to know what to do next and how to achieve your growth because of what you know about yourself. Now, this is a highly, um, helpful, very helpful, um, tool. Um, like I said, because it, it begins your journey of self-discovery and there will be parts that are very uncomfortable. There will be parts you'll be like, wow, I don't like that about myself. But even though it's pointing you to like the most difficult parts of yourself, you can't, you can't change that or you can't offer that part of you love and compassion without really intentionally reflecting on that. And and offering yourself so much kindness. And so I do want to give you a caution that this isn't, this isn't just like rainbows and butterflies and like, yay, we get to learn all this fun stuff about ourselves and understand our behaviors. <laughs> it is actually so much deeper than that. And it, and because, because it's so much deeper, there is so much more potential for growth because of it. All right. I'm going to leave you with a few tips to understand the Enneagram a little bit better. 
Um, and like I said, I'll jump in with another episode with more. Um, but these are things to remember, okay? And common questions that people ask about the Enneagram. Once you're an adult, your number doesn't change. And so there, there could be different styles that come out because we haven't even talked about wings or subtypes. But once you're an adult, you, you don't change your number. Okay. And no one but you can truly decide what your number is. I already kind of said that, but just keep that in mind. And you cannot be two numbers at the same time. You will have a wing, but your wing is always a number that is next to your number. I'm a four wing three, um, but other fours could be a four wing five. A one could be a one wing two or a one wing nine. And um, I already touched on this one, but remember that a test is not always the most reliable way to find your number. And there is no such thing as a good number or a bad number. Someone uh, recently that was trying to figure out her number was like, well, I think I'm a high functioning two. <laughs> and I laughed and chuckled because that there is no such, <clears throat> pardon me, there is no such thing as a high functioning two. <clears throat> every number, every number has some positive and negative things. And, and it was actually funny to me because as she said that and, and some other things in my head, I was thinking, you are totally a seven. <laughs> and it was true. She did come to realize that she was a seven. Um, but there is no good number or bad number. There is no like high functioning, less functioning, but there are healthy uh, attributes that come out when you're a healthy two or a three or a four or whatever. And there are, are some unhealthy attributes um, when you're in a not so good place in life, right? But no number is good or bad. And if your number makes you uncomfortable, that's totally normal. I have times when I don't like being a four and I wish I wasn't, <laughs> but those are the times I go and take another test and sure enough, it always comes back as a four. Um, or I do some more reading and I'm like, yep, still a four. <laughs> cause I, cause the, the, the tendency is to want to be something else if you don't like what you are. Right. So it's okay. If you're uncomfortable, it's okay. Um, and that's normal. And, and the numbers themselves are, aren't a way to create this hierarchy. There isn't like, okay, you know, the ones are the leaders and the sixes are the, uh, accountants and the sevens are musical theater people, right? Any career can show up in any of the numbers, any, you know, interests or hobbies, they show up in any of the numbers. So there isn't a, this isn't a way to create a hierarchy or to put you in a box. Sometimes people think that your number puts you in a, bo a box because it's so narrowly defined you. And it's actually quite the opposite. There is a whole nuance and a whole spectrum of every number. Um, if you want to think about it as like, different flavors of sixes or different <laughs> flavors or tones of threes. Okay. Um, you can think of it that way because like I said, that we haven't even talked about wings or subtypes, but what, by the time you combine those in with your number, we have dozens and dozens and dozens of varieties of, of the different numbers. So keep that in mind as well. This isn't something to box you in. It's actually the opposite. It really provides a huge spectrum, a huge um, exploration. Like, wait, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Like it, it provides a huge outlet to really see your potential and to tap into these ways to grow. Okay. 
All right. So that was a lot for a first episode about the Enneagram. But I'm anxious, or not anxious, but eager to know your number. So if you want to sh- come and share that with me on my Instagram, I would love that. Come and DM me there. Um, and let's dive in and, and get your questions answered. Uh, if you have questions as you jump in and discover your number, or if you already know your number and you have questions about it, send me an email and I will address those on another episode. So thanks for joining me. I love the Enneagram and I can't wait to talk about it more with you. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you want to take this work deeper and receive specific help for something that's on your soul or mind, go to my website at mariahwickham.com and book a beginning call. Or you can send me an email with your questions. You can email at support at mariahwickham.com. We make just create a whole episode around your question. As we part, and until next week, never forget that at the center of every success is the story of self.